Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. It's a two-week sermon series that we're just starting today. Um, today I'll be taking this one and then um, we've got um, someone else taking next week for our for this series called The Beat. And, you know, this whole point of The Beat, today we'll be focusing and, and learning about what God's mission is, okay, here on earth. Next week we'll be looking at what our mission is on earth. And so there's just these two dif- different things and they're quite interesting. Um, some of you may be familiar with some of the things that I share today. And I do pray that uh, as, as I do speak and you, you know that it still resonates with you as well of, of what, we, what we are as a church. And so as we focus today on learning about what, you know, uh, about what God's mission is, and to do that, I wanted to uh, start first off with our church mission statement, uh, because many of us here may not know uh, what we are about and what we focus on here as an every nation church and even a movement worldwide. So uh, let me direct you to our mission statement, and this is what it is. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And I guess the most simple way to remember this mission statement, if that is too many, you know, the words are too much for you, then the mission statement, if you are quite new to our church, just you just need to remember these four words. And these four words are to honor God and to make disciples. And so as an every nation movement, our focus, it's always, it has always been, and to be honest with you, it will always be about what the Bible teaches, that every Christian is to go and to make disciples of all nations. In every nation, we believe that God has called us. I mean, there's so many churches all around here in, in South Auckland, and God has destined them to, to do certain things for the community and for the world. And for every nation, our church here and worldwide, um, God has called us in particular to help bring the gospel to the nations. And so we're all about being a, a cross-cultural missional movement. And that's why we're called Every Nation. And that's why the series is called The Beat, because The Beat, um, it's God's heart that beats for every lost person in all the nations. When you think about it, though, as well, even though our church right here in Every Nation's Southside, we always knew this church was called to be planted here in Southside. I can't remember. We used to do Saturday night services, and, um, you know, we used to call them... I was going to say Friday Night Live on a Saturday. Um, I think it was like Saturday Night Live or something. And we would run those services and, and a lot of different campus youth and young ones would come through. Um, and then through that, parents would start coming. And then we, we moved to a Sunday service. Some of you may remember. And we went to so many different locations. Um, who remembers the, I don't know if it was the dog pound or something. What's that called? The Greyhound. <laughs> we said the dog pound. Snoop Dogg, <laughs> um, the Greyhound, and I remember the Greyhound, how we used to have, you know, and Sunday morning, we'd be walking in, and we would smell the stench of alcohol, because it was a bar, and we would pray over that place, and we would have church, and then 
I remember going just down the road down here at this hotel. Um, Silver, what? Silver Oaks. Man, burn that sucker down. No jokes. You know, but we, we would go there. Remember, remember those days. Um, remember the days of the old schoolyard. You know, we used to go there, and the roof was, you couldn't jump, you couldn't move. It was so low. We'd had church in there. Um, the kids' ministry, all the different ministries, we hired out rooms. Um, and so, you know, the rooms, sometimes they weren't ready and clean so we would have to take all the kids out to um, the park next door and imagine our visitors that would come which don't tell your parents that you're having kids church in one of these rooms you know and from there we decided as a south side church to move to the Auckland central city and so we went to <laughs> can I hear amen you know we and we moved to Auckland girls Auckland central yet would go there every Sunday in central Auckland, welcome to Southside, <laughs> you know, and people, new members would think, hey, this is not South Auckland, man, but we just knew we were called to, to be here, five years now, here in, in South Auckland, God has taken us on an amazing journey, and through all of that, our church today, here in this church, this location, it's made up of people from all around Auckland, and not just here. Our church is made up of people from West Auckland, Central Auckland. We, we already got an amen over there from Tom, Thomas. You know, even different areas of East Auckland because they need Jesus as well. And as well as the, the great south, right, here. And so God, hear me now, God is expanding his territory of this church because that is how he has called all churches to be. And that's to be missional. So missions or, or being missional is, is not just part of the Bible, okay? And it's not just one of our ministries that we do here in church. The Bible itself, it is all about God's mission. And that mission is to spread His glory throughout the earth. And so the heart behind this series is really probably to remind some of us or, or you know, to... to it's something new to you, but to remind all of us here of our calling. You know, you see in life, right, we all make plans. And I remember before coming on to, to full-time, full-time working for the church, I, I wasn't even supposed to be the pastor. <laughs> That's the honest truth. All I remember was once I started in full-time, me and my wife were going to come in and start full-time here in the church. Uh, I just knew that we were going to help out in different areas of the church. And one area, I remember at that time, right, one area that I didn't want to be part of, okay, was the campus ministry. I did not want to be part of the campus ministry. I have my reasons. I won't tell you. <laughs> but God had a different plan. And long story short, not only was I involved with campus ministry, and to be very honest with you, I love it. And I still love doing campus ministry today. But I also became the pastor of the church of their time. I tell you, man, who would have thought? I think the elders, they're just thinking, man, we have no choice. This is the only guy that is in full-time ministry. So he, man, are you sure? <laughs> and so I was it. 
And even before coming, get this, even before coming into full time, working for the church, right? I even had different dreams. I never expected to become a pastor or into full-time ministry at that time. I just thought later, when I'm older, I was already old, but, you know, maybe when I'm 70 or something. But, but at that time, I remember I was getting ready to actually take an opportunity uh, to become a lecturer, a lecturer in teaching, you know, a Bachelor of Ed- Education students. And so that was something I really was looking forward to do. And my aim was to just get closer into working in, in universities. Main university for me was that I wanted to work in was in uh, Auckland, the University of Auckland. So I had these plans, right? But within that year of almost transitioning into this job, man, just God, he shook everything up. <laughs> and here I am today. The best shaking ever of my life. You know, we all have personal plans. You know, it could be starting a business. uh, It could be trying to find the perfect job. Some of you that are single, you may be thinking about marriage. How many kids you want or where is the best place to live in the future for your life? And while thinking all those things, right, life still happens. Things change. Unforeseen Events take place. People do things that may force you to change your plans. And so it becomes much harder, you know, to to stick to your plans. And that's all right. We need to be flexible and know how to adapt to changes. All of us have experienced plans that may have changed over time. However, there is one plan that should never change. And that plan is this, it's God's calling and purpose on your life. And I said this earlier, whenever you and I think missions, right, many of us may think straight away it's something that the church does. It's the church, it's the church project, or it's an assignment for the church. The truth is, being missional is way more than just a project or an assignment for the church. Being missional is what God has called your life to be. Our Every Nation movement, right? We've been around for almost, I think almost 35 years. And we continue on because the purpose of being missional, a missional church, that plays a huge part to why we exist. But even as we've been around for a while now, world missions, it goes further back than our church. In fact, it goes all the way back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. And in, this, in, verse, in chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, let me read you these verses. And God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea, the birds and the sky, over livestock, over wild animals, all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female of God, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. There's very verses there. This is my questions. Why are we here? Why, why did God make 
the human race? Why does community, the, the church of all things, matter so much to God and to our earth? And so we're going to dive into that in this little time that we have. But let me give you a bit of history and context to help understand, right, this part of Scripture that I just read. Now, Israel, during the Bible times, they were actually surrounded by different nations. Okay, some of these nations were the Assyrians, uh, the Babylonians, the Samaritans, the Canaanites, even the Egyptians. Now, these different nations surrounding Israel they all had their own beliefs. They all had these gods and these deities, and they all had in common this, this kind of hierarchy in their culture. And what do I mean by hierarchy in their culture? Well, all of these cultures and these nations, they had gods, more gods, more than one, and they, they were nations that worshipped, like I said, more than one god. And then, so that was the top of, of the, the scale. That was the top of the, you know, the, uh, the hierarchy um, part. But, you know, under these gods, the next person that was in that status line was the king, the king of that nation. Now, the king was the main person here because he was considered in these nations around Israel that he was a god. Now, under the king then came the priests. Now, these priests were pagan priests, okay? And these priests would report back to the king, and they would, you know, sacrifice on behalf of the king and, and their nations. And then under the priests were the artisans, and these artisans were, were all those that were skilled. They were skilled workers, and they were skilled in a way that could offer back to the nation that they were living in. I mean, back then, might have been like stonemasons and blacksmiths, um, artists, sculptors, you know, um, even craftsmen. All these kind of skills, uh, these were the people. Then under these artisans, the next group, now this was a large group, and they were the peasants and the slaves. And from here, this hierarchy scale, there was nothing under or there was nothing lower than the peasants and the slaves. That was it. When looking at this hierarchy and looking at how things worked in these cultures and in these nations, peasants and slaves, you know, they were the only ones said to be not made in the image of their gods. And in fact, they were thought... Um, to have been created by weak gods. Out of all the gods, they're the weak gods that, that um, they were looked after by. But when we read, you know, we read in Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, let us make mankind in our, in our image, this is God, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish, over everything. And then verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created male and female, he created them. Based off all these nations surrounding Israel, Israel is the only nation, well, first of all, they're the only nation that worship only one God, and not a multiple of gods or deities like their neighbors. But these verses are the single most world-changing statement in that time 
in that time about a, a person's dignity, about a person's worth and their equal and having equal status, you know, in that time. I mean, if living in these Bible times, right, imagine what it did to the hearts of these peasants and to these servants and slaves when told that they were created in the image of the one true God, Yahweh. That in all the hierarchy, right, and the status of where they belonged, right at that moment, you know, right at the bottom of the food chain, these verses tell them they are created in the same image as the king that ruled over them. Male, female, slaves, peasants, all made in God's image. Now that's a game changer, because it must have been, you know, so amazing for, for these people that were living in the Bible times and understanding what this meant. Here's another example. In every other religion, right, in this ancient world, all the neighboring nations that surrounded Israel, they all believed, and I said this before, that the king was a son of the gods who they worshipped. So this was like the dividing line between a king and the rest of the human race. And throughout all the years as Israel, you know, they continued to follow the one true God, Yahweh. And for many centuries now during this time, um, you know, Israel, Israel never had a king. You know, back in the time of Abraham, a man named Abraham, if you didn't know him, he was promised by God that his descendants would be numerous. You know, God says to Abraham, I will make your nation great. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, when you read that or you think about that, that that's, that's like a kingly sort of promise, right? Yet Abraham was never a king. Abraham was a shepherd. He tended and looked after sheep. Even when in the history of the Israelites, you know, they become slaves in Egypt and eventually they become freed as slaves. The very leader to get them out of Egypt was this man named Moses. And it was believed, right, that Moses, when he led the people out, he led over two million people out of Egypt during that period. Once again, that's a king kind of thing to do. Yet Moses, he wasn't a king either. He actually came from being a shepherd as well. So after Moses comes a man named Joshua. Now Joshua, who takes up the lead of bringing the Israelites into victory, of entering the land God promised them. And it even mentions to Joshua, this is God saying to Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you in all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you read more into the life of Joshua, he and the army, armies, you know, they win all these battles against these very neighbors they were about to live amongst. Yet again, Joshua, he wasn't a king either. Israel does not actually have a king until hundreds of years later. And the only way that they get a king is because the Israelites they beg for one. And so, because of begging, God gives them a king because 
really, Israel wanted to be like the other nations that were around them, that had kings. They didn't want God guiding them anymore. They rejected the one true God as their king. Nobody else has a story like Israel. There was no nation like Israel that worshipped in this way. Right from the beginning of creation, you know, God expresses by making humans in his image. That also meant you had to think and live like him. So let me expand on this idea of how you and I should think and live like God. Well, we find it in verse 28, and this is what it says of Genesis 1. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. The fact that you and I are made in the image of God. And we just read earlier, you know, in those verses, 26 to 27, it teaches us about our worth and our value in life. You know, and I use the example of the slave created in the same image as the king that ruled over them. You know, another important part is found in this verse, 28, how it talks about our destiny and our purpose to living on this earth. In Bible times, you and I, I mean, we know, Bible times, there was no media, <laughs> there was no internet, there was no newspaper articles. So this is what the kings of that time would do. They would set up images of themselves, statues. And they'd do that throughout the, their whole empire so that everyone would know that they were the king of that place. Now don't forget, these kings of their time were from pagan nations, and these pagan nations believed that their king came from the gods that they worshipped. So then, how did, this is my question, how did the one true God, Yahweh, the ones that Israel worshipped, how, you know, how did he place his image around for people to see? Well, it definitely wasn't by having statues of himself, <laughs> planted around the city. God placed his own image of himself through people. And those people at that time were the Israelites. And because they were representatives of God, you know, as being image bearers now of God, it meant that they had to live totally opposite to the way all their neighbors were living like. Their purpose to living was to think and to live like God. And the reason to think and live like God, you know, it, God exampled lives, I should say, was their way, it was their way to represent and it was their way to spread that God was the one true God. So how does that look like for us today? What is our purpose? The idea of this image of God business, right, is that through you, through your learning, through your culture, through your relationships, it should reflect God's image to others that are watching you and would be drawn to follow these godly steps that you and I are making. 
You know, I got a, uh, a message this week as I was working at home, and um, it was actually a, a family, a, a distant family relationship of, of mine. And she had messaged me. I haven't spoken to her for years or, you know, for a very long time now. Not that we had any issue or that, but we just drifted. And she had messaged me. And back then she was uh, very young, but now a bit more older. So I haven't seen her for all these years. But she messaged me out of the blue. And she said, hey, Ulu, man, it's me, such and such. You know, man, I just want to say... Uh, I've heard so much about what you're doing. And, you know, um, I heard that you're, you're part of a church and you're involved in a lot of church things. Um, and she goes, the reason why I found out and I was really impressed about it was uh, f another friend of yours I met. And that friend, he was explaining about, you know, a little long story. They were ch chatting, they had met each other at, at this event. And that, that friend of mine had mentioned the name had popped up, and then they started talking about me. Isn't it good that uh, it was good stuff? <laughs> and uh, Ulu, Ulu, Christian, you sure? But isn't that an encouragement that she would reply to me after so many years that I had not seen her? And so we and that was just a God moment. And she was saying, you know, I, I've just wanted to say I was so encouraged because I'm, I just started going to church as well. And God is doing some amazing things in, in my life. It broke my heart in a good way because that's one of my family members I've been praying for for years, knowing that I'd probably never see her. And if I did, who knows what that relationship would be like. Isn't that amazing? how God can move. The image of God that we represent out there in the world should be one that adds greatness to families around you that may be broken or struggling, but when they see you and they see our Christ-like lives, they want, they want that, and they want to try living like that. And to your neighbors and to our community here, to the nations that we are called to reach, from the poorest person all the way to, I don't know, the millionaire that, that you may encounter in your life one day if, if you haven't already, you and I are called to subdue this earth first by being images of God and second by inviting others to have an opportunity to live as God image bearers as well. Now, if you remember earlier, I said how we all have personal plans, right? And within your plans, life happens. There's unforeseen events that will take place that might force you to change your plans. Let me share here. As you take on board what the image of God looks like more seriously in your life today, as I've been sharing, I want you to be, uh, to be prepared then to be flexible and to adapt to the changes as God gives you, right? He's going to give you clarity to your destiny and your purpose to living on this earth. You know, when I read this verse, and be fruitful and increase in number, 
fill the earth. Can I say there are, there are two ways God will help bring you and I into your purpose on this earth? Two ways. When we look at this verse, I mean, there's this word, um, the word, this word send, okay? In English, uh, it's translated in actually two different ways in Greek. The first translation, forgive me for how I'm going to say it, um, apostello. That's the first translation. And this word, it actually refers to someone who was sent out. They're sent out on a particular mission. And as they've been sent out, they've been sent out in honor. And they've been sent out with authority. They've been blessed out, sent out, apostello. And an example of this is when Jesus, he actually sends out the 12 disciples in, in uh, Matthew 10. And you can read that. And in Matthew 10, Jesus, he blesses them. He explains to them what might happen, what they're going to go through. He explains all the nitty-gritty of, of being disciples of, of Christ, sharing the gospel. But he sends them and he blesses them. He sends them out. So that's apostello. The second word is ekbalo. Now, ekbalo, this one, this word, it refers to someone who was driven out. And they've dri been driven out in a violent way. They've been kicked out, right? You guys know that when you go to the clubs. Um, you know, examples of this would be during times when Jesus, he would drive out the demons that were in people. He would drive them out. But hear me here. This is the interesting one. You know, Jesus, he also uses this word, ekbalo, being driven out in this verse, these verses here. And this is what these verses say. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out, to ekbalo, to drive out laborers into the harvest. Now, when we go back to our verse in Genesis 28, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. That there is actually an example of God sending out people in honor and in authority. So, that's apostello, right? He's sending them out that way. But let me give you a little insight on something. If we go back to the New Testament, the book of Acts, where the disciples, they have been blessed, right? They've been actually sent out with honor and authority, and they were being sent out in an apostello manner. And we find it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and this is what it reads. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's sending them out and blessing them. Apostello. But get this. Even though they were being sent out in an apostello manner, the disciples at this time, they never went. They actually never went and they stayed in Jerusalem. It took an extreme measure of persecution for the disciples to become real image bearers for them to leave Jerusalem and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
And where do we find that? We find that in the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I don't have it up here, but this is what it reads. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. They were all driven out. They were all ekbalod. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The disciples, they weren't sent out. Apostello. They were driven out. Ekbalod. And there's a lesson learned here. And I think Pastor Steve Murrow, the founder of our, our movement, he puts it in a real straight and nice way. And this is it here behind me. Let me read it to you. It says, All of church history is littered with stories of people who were either sent out, apostello, or driven out, ekbalo, by God onto mission. Either way, God will accomplish his purposes in the world. But if it's up to me, I'd rather cooperate with God and be apostoloed rather than ekbaloed. <laughs> Isn't that true? There are more Christians and churches today in our time than at any time in human history. But there is also a lot of work that needs to be done. And this is our part. This is our task. This is why God has always been about missions. This is why we need to understand the importance of that verse 28. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them, he made them, male and female, he created them. We are you know, we all, we all like to sort our lives into a hierarchy kind of way, right? There's certain things that are more important than others. We can put our family at the top, which is very important. Then maybe what comes next is your career and the job that you have. Then all the, the things we, we enjoy in life follows that. And then the sad thing is, God comes at the bottom. And I've been guilty of that so many times. So where does God fit in the story of your life? Or maybe I should be asking this, how can my life serve the mission of God? We all like to ask for things and we like to pray for things and you know, we even like to go out and receive counsel to discern what our personal and specific calling from God is. There's nothing wrong with that. Yet, after today's sermon, the truth is, and it may hurt for some of us, whatever specific calling you have been given on this earth, it's actually all wrapped up in the mission of God. God always knew that he want, what, he, what he wanted from the beginning. He wanted to create a community, a people of God who reflected him, reflect, uh, related with him, represented him, and filled the whole world with his rule and his glory. 
that has never changed. It is still the same mission today. It is the mission of our careers, it's the mission of our families and, on, and of our lives. Your purpose on this earth is to do God's mission. And so I ask you as I finish, will you be willing to hear the beat of God's heart today? Being an image bearer for him. And being an image bearer means to think and to live like him as well. Let us pray.